Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Good morning, gorgeous listeners. It's Dr. Lucy here from Real Life Medicine, and I am super happy to be back on the Real Health and Weight Loss podcast with my beautiful, shiny, bubbly, effervescent colleague, Dr. Mary Barson. Hello, Mayors. How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm very happy to have you back here with me. I kind of enjoyed my my solo podcasting, but I enjoy podcasting with you way more. And I'm also really good because little Bubby is sleeping through the night. So huzzah. I know. Having those wonderful joined up thoughts, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, I'm thinking in cursive rather than thinking in like, you know, little splatters here and there. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that analogy. That's brilliant. <laughs> Right, well, my love, I'm going to just open up the topic this week and get cracking in on it because this has come up a fair bit both in my private coaching but also, you know, just in conversations I've been having. And the general belief is that people feel weight loss is hard. So I guess I'm going to pose the question, does weight loss have to be hard? I firmly believe no. I used to think it had to be hard when I lived in calorie counting land and when I was a calorie counter and when, much to my own personal mortification for a short period of time as a doctor where I also preached calorie counting because it is what we were taught and what I thought, uh, it was hard. It's really difficult to, you know, uh, white knuckle your way through several weeks of hunger on a 1200 calorie a day, 800 calorie a day, whatever it is, diet, day in, day out. It's uncomfortable. It's not fun. It's also not sustainable and you lose some weight. But then when you go back to eating normally due to the changes in your metabolism and everything else, the weight just comes back on and it feels not only hard, but impossible, impossibly hard. And that is where I lived until I found a better way, um, both personally and then professionally coaching, you know, lots and lots of thousands of beautiful people that we can reach in this community with an easier way that you don't have to be hungry to lose weight. You can actually eat a diet that keeps you feeling nice and full, a high satiety diet, to use a lovely jargony term. And when you pick the right high satiety diet, you can lose weight without being hungry. Absolutely. Which is easy. In a lot of ways, it's about eating smarter, not less. And in fact, sometimes you can even eat more, not less and lose weight. Like that blew my mind to me. Again, that seemed like, oh, that can't be true because how does that work? You know, less, eat less, move more. How can I eat more and lose weight? I can't, you know, I just found that impossibly hard to understand, except I realized that I just, again, I was looking at it through the wrong lens. So tell me, Mares, high satiety, sounds a bit like like a high society. (laughs) It does. I do feel like, no, I don't ever feel like I'm from high society. I take that back (laughs) entirely. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so a high satiety diet is a fancy way of of saying a diet, like eating, 
when you nourish your body with foods that make you feel full. And, you know, we don't need to turn every single meal into a mathematics equation, counting calories, you know, that isn't going to get us anywhere long-term. Instead, you pick foods that nourish your body and help balance your hormones. And, you know, simply put, a diet that's lower in carbs, that's the sugars and starches, and higher in protein and also fat, this diet literally makes us feel fuller for longer. Can I can I just interject for a second, Mayors, just to explain or clarify probably. When you use the word diet, are you meaning a, a diet, like dieting? No. I'm meaning like when you pick your meals, you pick your lifestyle. That's a better word. Let's go a lifestyle where the food that you choose to feed yourself and quite possibly your family, when you're choosing foods that are healthier and and foods that are naturally lower in those sugars and starches and higher in protein and higher in healthy fats, when you do this, your hunger becomes much less. It just gets better controlled. And the fascinating thing here is I love, I love that we actually don't completely know why, exactly why low-carb diets reduce hunger. We know a lot of the reasons why, but not all of them. But it is due to the fact that these foods have on our hormones that control our hunger because hunger is hormonal. It is not mathematical. And also the effect that it has on our gut and our brain, which I think is really, really cool. But if you eat this lovely, lovely food, delicious, nourishing meals, taste great, you have your meal and then you are just fuller for longer. And that mental chatter of, you know, really, really wanting the food, can I have the food, wanting to have a snack, can I have a snack, just, it just goes away. And it does this because lower carb foods that are higher in fat and protein, they increase our fullness hormones. The little messengers, the chemical messages that go around our brain that make us just feel happy and full so we just don't have to think about food or obsess over food, they're just higher. And our hunger hormones, they're just lower. So this is happening at the level of our hunger and also at the level of like our metabolism and our metabolic health, when we eat a low-carb food, our metabolism is healing. It's actually increasing and getting faster. And our insulin is you know, the main hormone that you and I love to talk about. Beautiful insulin gets lower and normal, which means that you can use your fat stores, open up that metaphorical woodshed of your fat stores and you can burn that fat for fuel keeping you a lovely state of of constant energy for longer so when you've got the right tools and we're calling this our map you know the right map then you can lose weight without being hungry and that beautiful listener i believe is easy. Mm. It's so interesting, isn't it, that nobody's talking about high satiety food. I think we could we could really win with that, but high satiety food. So 
you know, I'm sure if I went out and surveyed, you know, a thousand people and said, you know, can you give me a list of high satiety food that A, have no idea what I was talking about and B, wouldn't, even if they knew what I was talking about, they wouldn't necessarily know any. And so this is what we're talking about when we've been given the wrong map. Because for me, I would do things like I would spend my Weight Watcher points on diet chocolate mousse. So I had 20 points for the day and because I liked mousse, I'd spend two of those on some chemical rubbishy piece of fluff that actually it was like chewing chewing gum. It did not satisfy anything. It just made me want more and more. And so then I'm in this battle of myself where I've run out of points, but I still want more mousse because it wasn't real food. Whereas we know that the satiety comes from protein with some fat. Most people aren't eating pure protein. It's quite hard to find pure protein in nature, but, you know, very lean protein. Again, that's what a diet land, diet land did take out all the fat So I I used to eat very lean protein, tasted like an old shoe. Having a little bit of fat in there is not only delicious for the flavour, but it keeps you fuller for longer. So wouldn't you want to lose weight with delicious food that keeps you full for long? So much easier. And I can can just, I was right there with you, Lucy. You, You had your points that you had for the day and, you know, all points were equal, didn't really matter, you know, what you ate. It was all about how many calories it contained. So eating the the rubbishy, diety, chocolate mousse, fluff, air stuff seemed like a great idea because it would have tasted nice and you would have got that little, that dopamine hit, that, that reward. It would have been quite high reward food regards, you know, with the sweet taste, probably quite soothing, but it did nothing to help you with your hunger. In fact, it probably would have made you hungrier and then you just had to unpleasantly white knuckle it until, you know, <laughs> you were allowed to eat something else. But, you know, even taking that rather unhelpful mindset of, of counting points, if you had used it eating, you know, a nice piece of, you know, salmon, then you you would have been much better off. Totally. Totally. And, and so, again, this long-lasting weight loss, it really just comes down. It doesn't have to be hard, but you do need to understand what, what's going on. So you need to really understand your body and you really need to understand your mind. So hunger is, hunger is not a sign of weakness. Hunger is a physiological drive for food. And if you eat because you're hungry, you are not a weak, bad, horrible person. <laughs> You are a person who is satisfying a biological drive that needs to be honoured. But the thing that I think a lot of us have not been taught or educated or know about is that what foods are going to actually satisfy that hunger properly and long-term. I mean, not, not long-term like forever, but at least for more than bloody 10 minutes. What food is going to do that? And it comes back to the protein and, and the fat. And then when you've and manage to address that proper human hunger, only then can you address any other sort of what we call non-hungry drives. So the, the cravings. How can you address a craving when you're physiologically hungry? You actually can't. So solve the hunger and then solve whatever else is driving the cravings. And that 
can also be easy when you've got the right tools and strategies. So absolutely, getting your beautiful body into a state where it's not starving hungry all the time because you're eating a high satiety, a high satiety foods. So you're just you're eating lovely, delicious meals that are really nourishing and also really fill you up. Awesome. That's great. And so that physiological hunger is just dampened right back down just to normal levels. And sure enough, you know, dinner time rolls around again. You haven't eaten since lunch. You get hungry. You eat dinner. That's great. But you're not starving hungry from the moment you finish lunch to the moment you can, you know, have your three o'clock snack and then starving hungry again all the way through to dinner. And when that starving hungriness is reduced, then you can start to work on your beautiful mind and to deal with those drivers that make us want to eat, you know, the high carb foods like the chips or the chocolate or the donuts or the ice cream to soothe our emotions or because we're bored or because of habit or because we're stressed. Actually, dealing with that emotional eating can be easy as well when you've got the right tools. And just like people think perhaps that they just need to calorie count, they just need to, you know, have more discipline to eat less, people probably think that they just need to have more discipline to not soothe with food. They just have to have more discipline to not, you know, get the chocolates on the at, from the petrol station on the way home. Whereas it's, it's not about calorie counting with the food and it's not about discipline with the mindset. It can be quite easy, but you need to learn the right tools. Ah, absolutely. Because honestly, the only tool I ever had in my mind was just stop it. Stop it, Lucy. Just stop it. Like that was my tool. Like, wow, that was helpful. So helpful, Lucy. Thank you for that really incredible insight. Stop it. So the thing that would happen was that, you know, I'd do have a bad day, scoff a block of chocolate, feel terrible, hate myself, think I'm an idiot, lose it. And then I'd go, oh, well, let's just pretend that didn't happen and we'll start again tomorrow. And so it would be like that was my tool to, it was like if I pretend it didn't happen, then I don't have to feel bad about myself. And so there was some self-preservation in that because feeling bad about yourself is horrible. So the only tool I knew to not feel bad about myself was to tell myself a few lies, like it didn't even happen. Don't worry about it. It's not. <laughs> and we'll start again tomorrow. And so then I'd start again tomorrow. But actually really learning about myself and learning what are my triggers? What were the reasons I did that? What was going on for me? That is the gold that then helped me stop repeating the behavior because hiding, that doesn't stop anything. Just It stops you feeling bad about yourself. So there is an, a win in that way, but it doesn't stop the behavior. Yeah, it doesn't stop it from happening again. And you, you lose that opportunity to learn about yourself. But, you know, that is a skill as well to lean into that, to learn that you are human and to be able to look at yourself with compassion and kindness and to unpack that story and then to develop a new way to soothe yourself because you're totally allowed to soothe yourself if you've had a really cruddy day or a really stressful event or even if you just want to. It's the end of the day. You feel like you've done a great day's work and you want to chill and, and look after yourself. You're allowed to do that and you can and you don't need to scoff an entire block of, you know, Cadbury Caramilk in order to do that. And with if you can learn the skills, mm. it doesn't have to be hard. No. 
No, and I think the interesting thing is, is to recognize, so our brain, it's a pattern machine. So the thoughts, it's always thought, other thoughts it's going to think. I'm sure that's a Dr. Seuss play somewhere. But it, it does, of course it does. And we call this, you know, neurons and we know that the neuron, the neuronal pathways, so neurons, you know, thoughts are just connections between two nerve cells or two neurons. And when we've thought a thought a lot, it's a very deep-seated thought. It's very robust. It's so robust that we often believe it to be absolutely factually true. So is it factual that weight loss is hard? And if you've had trouble losing weight, you may go, yes, it's it's a fact. But somebody else might go, well, oh, no, I find it easy. So it's not really a fact, it's an opinion, and opinions can change. But the thing, the way our beautiful, beautiful, clever brain works is that once it thinks something is true, it then looks for evidence to confirm that. And so then if you're on a weight loss journey and you have a stumble of some sort, which is normal, our brain goes, see, told you it was hard, told you. And it goes, yep, you're right, it's too hard. And so it can often give up at the very first little stumble. Or it might be that you're there, and I guess this would be one of the the, the more challenging circumstances. And, Mez, I'd be interested to know how you face this or what your strategies are. If you're somewhere, let's say you're at a function, and there's food there that your brain is going, oh, I love that, I love tiramisu, I couldn't wait, you know, I want to scoff a whole lot of it. Or, oh, my God, look at those roast potatoes. I really love those. And, you know, the hot chips. And then you're there going, oh, no, I don't want them. Like what? what's some strategies that you've got around that? Yeah, oh, I've got some good ones uh, that really just uh, completely knock the wind out of any of those um, those thoughts, knock the, knock the wind out of the sails of those thoughts. So first of all is, and this I actually believe is true, it's really not going to taste as good as I think it does. That is, I mean, at at a conference, you know, the little tub of of tiramisu in the plastic cup, it ain't going to be that good. It's just not. And also I know that my tastes have changed so that, you know, really sweet food just just doesn't appeal to me as much as it used to. And, you know, I I certainly can make myself uh, sweets if I want to, but I just, I don't need to. And and so I tell myself that that's not going to be any good that isn't going to taste as good as I think it will. And it, not only do I genuinely believe that's true, it's also really helpful because then I can go and just eat the cheese, which, you know, is delicious and I know that that will taste nice. But then the other part of that is that if for whatever reason the tiramisu is just making an irresistible offer to me and I do eat it, I I just very, very quickly will forgive myself and just move on. Like having having some some tiramisu at an event really isn't the end of the world. And and often I'll after I'll eat it, I'll be like, yep, no, that really wasn't that good. No. And then I can just keep going. And it doesn't mean that I then need to, you know, dive headfirst into, you know, an Olympic swimming size pool of tiramisu and spend the rest of the three years eating every carbohydrate in, in sight because I had a little slip. And usually I could just just keep going. Yeah. An incredibly helpful point there in that concept is that your brain, it really never does taste as good as you're imagining it to be. So 
it is this idea that you go, okay, isn't it interesting? My brain goes, oh, my God, that tiramisu, it's amazing. I can't wait to eat it. And then you have it and you go, yeah, it wasn't that good. Yes. And I always store that away, store that away for future Lucy to remind herself, hmm, interesting. I keep, you know, it's like this this illusion of amazingness that is, it, it just disappears. I can actually think of a, a real-life example fairly recently, Lucy. Well, you and I were at a conference and we went out to a very sort of fancy dinner, like that degustation. And I've never done degustation menu before. And as we were sort of going on the bus to this event, I sort of thought, what will I do? Will I eat dessert or won't I eat dessert? Hmm. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to. I'm actually, I'm, you know, I'm going to have the dessert here. I know that you navigated this a different way, so you can tell them what you did. Then I ate the dessert. It was a um, creme brulee. Yeah, it really wasn't. Wasn't that good? Yeah. Just, really wasn't. No. Then <laughs> I got a little bit like slight palpitations from the sugar and I was like, oh, okay, lesson learned. But, you know, I didn't hate on myself for doing that at all. I uh, just sort of moved on and I'm going to remember that. So, yeah, at, you know, next time, you know, the dessert is offered, I can quite honestly tell myself, ah, it's not going to taste that good. And I can eat sweet, sweet foods. It's not like I'm, I can go and make myself the most delicious chocolate, low-carb chocolate lava cake if I want to. I can totally do that. Uh, so it's not like my life has no cake ever. I can make cake in a more helpful way. It's just that often I don't really need it. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, as we always are talking about, you are the boss of you. There's no right or wrong way to navigate these situations. And you're right, I did choose an, a different way. So for me, because there was three, it was a three-course set menu. And there were two options at each course. So I spoke to the waiter and said, could I have a second entree instead of dessert? Because I really couldn't choose between the two entrees. I wanted them both. I thought, oh, that's good. I could do that. And the interesting thing is that however many weeks it is now since that event, I can't even remember what the dessert options were. I actually can't even remember any of the options. (laughs) Somebody said to no. me, what, is it, what food did you eat? I think, oh, I can't actually remember because this is the power of it. It's like it's you can feel like you're missing out right in that moment, but a few weeks later you, you don't even remember. So, again, it comes back to managing your mind and navigating a path that works for you in that present moment but also for future you, and that's that are learnable skills. So I think this is the key. It doesn't have to be hard. If we tell ourselves it's hard, our brain will look for confirmation of that. If we keep saying it's easy, even if at the start we're not that convinced, but if you keep reminding yourself this is easy, this is easy. And, in fact, the question I tell myself is how can I make this easy? This is going to be easy. We just keep reminding ourselves of that. And then you're, again, clever brains looking for things, ways to make it easy. If she says it's going to be easy, then how can I make it easy? And I mean, we give you all of that. That's what we teach. We teach ease. We don't want to, you know, I haven't got time to be making life hard. No, no, we're busy. I got a baby. We got businesses. We got things to do. Uh, and, And in your busy lives, absolutely, we can show you how you can Lose weight, but more importantly, I think, than lose weight is gain that lovely health and that increased energy, that increased metabolism. You can do it easily. It really doesn't have to be hard when you've got the right map, the right compass, and the right tools. And that beautiful people is 
definitely, definitely what we do with our program coming up soon, the 12-week mind-body rebalance, all about having the right tools and the right strategies that fit into your life. Absolutely. And I mean, look, you can lose weight the hard way if you want to go for it, knock yourselves out. But if you want to lose weight the easy way and the sustainable, the long lasting way, then that's what we teach. And that's what our beautiful participants are experiencing. And, you know, I would love to say, I'm going to be really upfront and say, it doesn't always happen straight away in the mind management, that mind management brain. You know, for some people, we've had decades and decades of thinking a particular way and to change it overnight, you know, I would be disingenuous to say to you, you can change your mindset overnight. I think that that's not helpful. It, it does require a little bit of work. It does require maybe a guide showing you, just gently pointing out, oh, isn't it interesting that your brain thinks like that? But you can absolutely, we have the biological capacity with neuroplasticity to change the way we think if we persist at it. Yes. So gorgeous ones. Weight loss can be easy when you know how. And if you'd like some more info on our 12-week mind-body rebalance, beautiful people, please check out our website, www.rlmedicine.com forward slash 12WMBR for the 12-week mind-body rebalance. And there's more info there. You can even join the waitlist and uh, get access to some fabulous waitlist goodies and bonuses. (sighs) Dr. Lucy, always lovely chatting to you, lovely human. It is always chatting to you, of course, gorgeous one. And lovely listeners, we are so grateful for the time in which you spend listening to us. And uh, I hope that what we provide for you is, is valuable because, honestly, we absolutely absolutely love this job. We're so blessed to have it. We always say to ourselves, I can't believe we get to do this every day. And we get to share our journeys and the way we've arrived at the destination with you. (laughs) See you later, beautiful ones. Bye, lovelies. So, my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks thanks for for listening. listening. The information shared on the Real Health and Weight Loss podcast, including show notes and links, provides general information only. It is not a substitute, nor is it intended to provide individualized medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor can it be construed as such. Please consult your doctor for any medical concerns.